Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome back to the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. I'm here with my co-host and our lead fantasy analyst, Dylan White. And after the top 200 was updated last week, I almost tripped over and said top 100. Yeah, I seem to do that consistently. We are back with a more standard issue uh, of the podcast. I was searching for words there. But Dylan, welcome to the show. How's your week been, man? How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Uh, survived the air quality index uh, fiasco of 2023 and uh, breathing in nice, fresh, rainy air in Toronto. How uh, how long were you guys pretty much inside all week? Like, how bad yeah. was it up there? I mean, because we had some here in, you know, New England, but, um, you know, the fires were there, of course. Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't like the photos in uh, like New York with the yellow sky and all that um i didn't really smell it like a campfire there was just like kind of a faint tinge but i did get a headache and a sore throat um so i Mm. I basically stayed inside walked the dog like just around the block instead of his normal uh his normal jaunt but uh yeah pretty nuts all those photos on twitter of what's going on in new york and philly and all that yeah we had uh we had some of that with the with the sky, but it felt like, yeah, like my, you know, my friend that was in like Rochester had those skies. And I think they were fairly close because they're pretty close to the Canadian border there. They were fairly close to the fires. So, yeah, it was uh, an interesting early part of the week. But there we go. What are you going to do? Um, glad that things are looking better for all of us. And <laughs> our air is fresher, you know. Um, anything else? How was uh, how's how's your Tout Wars team? How are your teams doing? I've had a, a rough go with my my head-to-head league teams over the last couple of weeks. My home league and uh, Tout. I think I've lost five of the last six in Tout after like starting the season three and one. So it's going great. Uh, my teams are actually doing pretty well. It feels like I've been struggling all season, but uh, I'm a first in Tout, and uh, I like to keep track every week and. Uh, I'm projected to like duke it out for first. So I'm happy about that. Um, but it's going to be tough. It's, it's so tight. Like the, the, the standings move up and down constantly. Um, yeah. My OC that I'm co-managing with uh, Jordan is in first currently, but we lost to Grom. Uh, we also, we also have Aaron judge on that team. Um, so it's going to be tough again. Um the projections have us kind of in the thick of it as well. 
Uh, we were like a hundredth in the overall, hundred and fiftieth in the overall, which isn't too bad. Uh, <clears throat> I kind of advise on a, a main, and we're in uh, fourth, I think, in that, and also projected to do pretty well. Um, so that's okay. And then my dynasty teams, I'm doing very well in those. My three main dynasties, I'm in first or second. Um, in all of them, my home league, I'm in second. Uh, what am I missing? Oh, TGFBI. TGFBI, I'm, uh, it's a tough league this year that I'm in. I mean, I think I'm in sixth, but uh, projected to be like basically tied for first with, with two other people, with Bubba and uh, Brad Williamson's in my league, Alex Chamberlain's in my league, Mike Richards is in my league, Prospect Itch is in my league. It's uh, it's uh, a Wheelers in my league. Yeah, it's uh, every week it's like 40 pickups. <laughs> and uh, like everyone's kind of engaged basically. Whereas in the past, like the, the COVID season, for example, it'd be like five pickups a week sometimes. So it's been pretty competitive. But uh, yeah, pretty good season, even though it feels like I'm struggling every week. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I am. Uh, I am not feeling. I'm four and six now in uh, tout, which has been really rough because this. I started out well to begin the season was like a top three race, and I think like I have to look at the live standings actually and and see. But um, scoring wise. I was I was pretty far up there. Um, yeah, last week was so bad that I dropped down. I was in third in overall like point total, and then um, over the last week, um, I've had one, two, two teams past me. So I'm now now in fifth total points. I'm in seventh in the league. It's been a rough go. I lost to Grom there as well. I've had like a rash of pitching injuries in that in that league. I have uh DeGrom, I have Cal Quantrill's now in the IL, Nestor Cortez is on the IL. Um I just got back uh Michael Grove who pitched all right uh the last couple of weeks. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean I'm glad that I went with the multiple ace strategy there. Um I have Kershaw, I have Kirby, I have Cole. So I you know I do have some guys that can hold some weight but I need some of them to get hot. Cole's kind of just been okay. That's hurt me in my home league as well, which is a, a 12-team head-to-head. I think I'm six and three in that league. Um, or six and six and four. Six and four. Like I'm six and four. So I think uh I'm I'm among the uh among the teams. I am uh, I'm in second in my division, but tied record-wise and uh tied for second in the league overall. So that one, uh, that one, not going as well as I hoped it would. I'm getting crushed right now in Nerf. Um, my pitching started off great. That was another league where I had Degrom. He got hurt. That's been an issue. I've been getting outbid on a ton of players over the last couple of weeks. Um, need to get more aggressive, I guess, next week again to replace more players. And I've had a lineup that I think like looks great on paper, but it just hasn't been a very, very good team this year. Um, and then lost, uh, lost, uh, lost Vinny Pasquantino this week as he went on the IL. So it's been a, a rough one there. Now, as far as, you know, my RCL, my Rasball league, I'm in second in that one. I've been moving up quick, got a ton of starts to still make up. I think I have a pretty good shot at first. It's Matt Truss that's ahead of me in that one. He's a great RCL player. I like that league because it's daily moves, um, unlimited like waiver moves, you know, pickups which helps. Um, 
So I can actually like craft the team. I can manage the team every day, which I do better with that than I do with weekly leagues for what I, I just, it, it makes me crazy. You know, like I, and I can schedule plan. I can look at two start pitchers. I can do all those things. And my luck just hasn't been good in those leagues this year. And then um, in our, in our uh, baseball America dynasty league, I am in fourth, but uh, I'm one of the, the higher scoring teams in that league. I'm only one game out of first place. I wasn't first a couple of weeks ago. So I got that going. And then um, in my 30 team league, my RAS 30, which is, I would say probably my favorite fantasy league. I am uh, in third in the NL, but the two best teams in the league are in the National League, the Dodgers and the Braves. I have the Reds, who are in fourth overall, and then uh, the Rays are the class of the American League. They are the only team from the American League in the top four. So, um, yeah, you know, now I've talked about my teams. You people really care about that. Everyone's <laughs> tuned out, and they've they've – They've stopped listening to the podcast. So let's bring in some good news. Elliot Ayla Cruz was called up uh, since we last recorded. He's now played six games. This will be his seventh night. We're recording on Monday night. Um, some strikeouts, a lot of walks, some unbelievable plays, some power. He's shown the speed. Where do you lie on Ellie De La Cruz last the season? On, on a scale of one to five, how excited are you, Dylan? Excited at the five, I guess. I mean, he is probably the most exciting player in baseball right now. Um, Otani, obviously, would be in there. Um, Acuna, I guess, as well. <clears throat> We're bored of these guys, the old guys. We want the new young blood with the 80 arm, the 80 speed, uh, the 80 power, 80 raw. Um, yeah, super excited. Do I think he's going to be uh, an incredible uh producer rest of season uh i don't know if it's incredible but uh you know like 15 15 is within possibility 250 batting average type thing um i think that's uh i think people would be happy with that i think they would want more but uh i think that's pretty solid yeah i agree and i think it's just um you can look at some of the underlying stuff and get nervous about the swing and miss and the contact but He's just so twitchy and unique that he's one of these guys that if he's taking his walks, he's going to hit his nukes. He's going to get on base. He's going to steal some bases. He's going to score a lot of runs, make some unbelievable plays. Um, sometimes it doesn't have to make sense. You know, the, all the numbers don't have to necessarily click if the impact is there and the twitch and just, you know, his ability to do things other guys can't. So um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't panic whatsoever here. This wasn't on the agenda, but, I do want to say kudos to us for telling people not to panic on Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar's <laughs> hot. I don't know if you noticed that or not. I I haven't fully noticed, but I do see that some tweets. He hit one like 462 feet or whatever, um, maybe yesterday. And uh, I know he's he's been relatively hot, and I see him in the lineup all the time. But I actually don't have him on any teams, and so I'm not like totally following every day. Um, but I do know he has turned it around. Yes, so far uh, in June, he is uh, is hitting the cover off the ball, Dylan. Uh, and I'll get you what that uh, slash line is right now, actually. Of course, I should have been more prepared for this conversation, considering I led us into said conversation. But um, come on, Fangraphs, load up for me, buddy. He's hitting 458, 481,000 with four home runs. A uh, double, seven RBIs, and two steals. 
uh, in the month of June, which I think is a total of eight games. So there you go. Some some great production from Gunnar. I actually think if we would go back and look, he's been hot from pretty close to a month now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there you go. Take that uh, take that to the bank with you. You know, it's kind of interesting. Gunner doing some big things. It's good to see. Corbin Carroll, of course, has been tremendous um, over the last, really the entire season, but the last two weeks he's gone absolutely bananas, which is another good thing to see. Happy to see that. Happy to see, you know, our top two prospects producing. Of course, uh, I think there's probably a case that Carroll should be one, should have been one. Uh, maybe a bit of a mistake, but we'll see. Long-term careers. I think uh, the people that were panicking, I saw a lot of panicking tweets and had a lot of panicking conversations with readers on Gunnar Henderson. And it was just like, stay the course. This guy can hit. There's impact. There's opportunity there. The organization's going to stick with him. And I think people forget that you can have a really bad two months, be great the remainder of the season, and have a really good season. <laughs> it happens all the time. You know, I can think of, of one in particular was Brian Dozier that year that like the last month of the season, he hit like 20 home runs or something and like won people leagues. And I think he was he was getting dropped like before that, you know. Um, that always happens. I actually picked up Michael Harris in a uh in a 12 team league because he was dropped. It was kind of like, well, I have outfield depth, but I'll grab Michael Harris and see what the heck he does over the next uh few months and hope that. I didn't own the bad part of Michael Harris and own the good part. And that's what's great about the waiver wire, kind of, isn't it? Like <laughs> your ability to do that stuff. So uh, that being said, let's move on. I don't know if you had any other news or notes or thoughts, things that you ran into. We can talk about our fantasy leagues again, Dylan. Anything you well, wanted to touch on? How did, how did Ellie Dela Cruz bidding go in your, uh, in your bidding leagues? Uh, so he was already rostered in mm. any league I have that could have been on it. Dynasty uh, leagues, uh, redraft leagues. He was rostered for a couple of weeks in my 12-team RCL, in my Nerf league, which is typically my good – that's my only NFBC. Um, he was already rostered. Baseball pods already had him on his team. So kudos to Chris for holding on to Ellie De La Cruz for quite a while. <laughs> so unfortunately, I didn't get to like just release all of my fab at him. Um, I actually should probably look at Tout and see what he went for. Uh, I did not need another hitter there, so I didn't bid on him because I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to fit him in my roster every day, which might be foolhardy. It's possible, but uh, I would have to check. How about your leagues? What did he? Uh, what did he go for in those leagues? Uh, in the main, he was already gone. In and TGFBI, he was already gone. In the OCs, which are twelve team, he went. Uh, I think one of them he went for four hundred and the other one somewhere in that area um in tout i only bid 61 uh to drop tovar to pick up Del ellie de la cruz for an upgrade i knew i wouldn't get him it was just sort of a it's a 12 team league as well so just yeah, you gotta put him in bed. but yep. matt truss matt trussell um who is my main competition with sarah sanchez and probably chris clegg uh, he grabbed him for 563 bucks out of a thousand he's only got a uh, less than a hundred dollars left for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, I, I wanted, like I said, I, ha I have a pretty 
good team and it's pretty deep. I think if I just like kind of like play conservative, I can like ride it out, I hope. So I didn't want to spend too much money and have no money and then realize I, I blew the <laughs> the season by spending too much money. So um, hopefully I can still ride it out. But yeah, what I did notice, I wanted to say was uh, O'Neill Cruz got stashed in a bunch of leagues. Um, I think people were like, is, if Elida Cruz is the last person to have this you know 2020 upside etc and i don't want to spend 400 bucks who's the next best thing and i think mm. people just went and stashed o'neill cruz who maybe for the last two months of the season could be ellie de la cruz light um and not have to spend 400 bucks so <laughs> sort of in every league uh o'neill cruz got picked up this week um pretty smart and pretty savvy i was uh, i was hoping i could wait a couple of weeks but uh, i guess the psychological aspect of seeing everyone bidding on elio de la cruz uh, had people saying well i better get the next best thing trevor story was stashed as well uh in another league so i Oops. think people are realizing like these are the last kind of hurrahs and they don't want to be involved in this fabageddon and so like let's i'll, I'll stash him for weeks so i don't have to spend 400 bucks <laughs> that's actually that story move is a pretty astute uh astute grab as well and i will say another astute grab was i looked back frank stample actually bought ellie de la cruz the week before he was called up in my tout league for four dollars so credit to strength to frank stample he spent 182 on andrew abbott in the same period so um i guess one hand washes the other but i think that he got a discount there a little a wee bit a wee bit um that said We've talked about the fab agandza for Ellie de la Cruz, which I unfortunately was unable to be involved in. Um, let's talk about our main topic here, which I think is an interesting trend that we have seen over the last couple of weeks, and that is players who skip domestic complex leagues, international players who skip domestic complex leagues, which is incredibly rare, to play at full season levels. It started at the beginning of the season. Nelson Rada was one uh, that was assigned to um, high, excuse me, low A, Louis Laura kind of followed a month or so later um, where he sort of, sort of followed, I guess what they're calling the Jackson Churio path just because he's a Brewers outfielder, I guess that went to Carolina. Um, but then Ethan Salas and Jose de Paula, Austin Charles spent a few games, I mean, two games in the ACL uh, before he was out at, at Columbia and the, uh, the Royals low A affiliate. Um, Jefferson Rojas was assigned uh, to low A. I think Jonathan Mejia skipped complex ball as well of the Cardinals. So let's sort of talk through some of these players here. Dylan, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Louis Laura, sort of how you view him, where you feel he needs to be rostered in terms of depth for fantasy leagues, prospects, minors, etc. Yeah, I took I took him in a couple leagues uh, right after he got uh, assigned. I think we had him in in sort of the back end of the 100. So, you know, we we do view him pretty pretty highly um in fantasy. So, I think he's definitely got to be rostered in leagues that have less than 100. I think he's just he's so young. I mean, all these guys we're talking about are, are so young. The the bat control, the hit tool is is excellent. The underlying like contact skills and all that are great. Doesn't swing and miss. Um Right now, he's a WRC plus of 138. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing that's stopping him is the power right now. And he's only 18. Uh, hopefully, he can develop. He can uh, hopefully grow into it. It, it. it is pretty pretty low, the the power right now. But 
just the back control just seems to be so good that, uh, you know, he should be able to develop it, I believe. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the plate skills are tremendous. Um, bat to ball is, you know, above average, probably plus. You know, I'm always a little nervous to throw pluses on these guys because they have a long time to prove that that's not the case, but it's probably there. Uh, the plate approach is good. Um, he's a smaller guy. There's not a lot of impact. I know I'm kind of repeating pretty much what you said, mm -hmm. uh, but I do agree. I, I do think that he's somebody that, you know, as he gets stronger, bigger, that plate approach, that plate discipline, that could turn into a player that, you know, swings at the right pitches, knows how to optimize. I, I know that he catches a lot of the barrel now. And as he gets bigger, stronger, I think we'll start to see more impact. I don't know if it's ever going to be like true 50 plus power. It might be a tick below um, just being conservative here, but he could be a guy with batting average and all the other things that kind of checks all the boxes and doesn't kill you in the power department. But you never know. Guys grow into power, uh, especially when we're talking about 17, 18-year-old players. Uh, they have a lot of time to come into their body and sort of find that next gear. So totally agree there. Yeah, I think he's an interesting one. I think I had him right in the back end of my top 100. I like the play skills a lot. I know, for example, you know, people were talking about a guy like Chase Medroff and all the things that he's done. He's been tremendous, and especially if you're looking at the numbers and whatever – you know, it seems like he's he has a couple of hits tonight, gets on base a couple of times, plate skills are tremendous. But he's an older guy that probably doesn't have as much projection in terms of the power as like a guy like Laura does, which is why I would I would gamble on the guy like Laura, I'd gamble on the upside. Um, even if I'm giving up maybe a year or two of immediacy. I think that sometimes in the short term we buy into that and then we sort of look back and say, Yeah, you know, we take a step back and say, I should have gone for this the higher end guy. I lost a year here. Mm -hmm but the production was made up in two years of this other player of what this guy got in three or whatever, you know? So um, for me, Laura is, is one of those plate skills guys that I'm, I'm way on though. It's not typically my jam. Um, let's move on to the next one here. Nelson Rada. He's been up since the beginning of the season. Rada I've noticed is starting to get hot. It started to get hot over the last month or so we'll say, and he's starting to settle in, find his footing and his surroundings which makes a lot of sense for as young as he is and a lack of experience with full season baseball. It's good to see things are starting to get going. And I've seen a move up in the Robo Scout rankings over the last couple of weeks, if I'm not mistaken, Dylan. So talk to me a little bit about that. And what are your thoughts on Nelson? Rana? Yeah, he is uh, one of the youngest in, in the, at the level, um, not as young as Ethan Salas, of course, but it looked pretty uh, like he was overmatched at the beginning of the season. I had him in the, in a couple leagues he wasn't really doing anything. It was the fact that he was so young that it was kind of like keeping keeping my interest. But yeah, he has turned it on. The big thing is he's stealing a lot of bases. He's like fourth, I think, in low A in stolen bases. He has 27 stolen bases with five caught. Um, so that's kind of boosting his, his fantasy uh, value and giving him a nice floor there. He does hit the ball on the ground a lot. That's one thing I'm, uh, I'm a bit concerned about. It's at 57% right now. And uh, he doesn't have any home runs on the season, but the, you know, the exit velocities are, aren't great, but he is in his age 17 season. And uh, you know, that's very, very impressive to be doing what he's doing in low A. He's got a 113 WRC plus as a 17 year old that, uh, you know, that's quite, uh, quite noteworthy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that when we look at the bat to ball was good. The swing decisions are good. 
Um, and it's not like he's overly passive, which is good to see. Um, you know, he has hit a ball 104, uh, 105, which I think is at least somewhat interesting when you're considering a 17-year-old. You know, if we had a, a perfect game guy who was going in and, you know, his max exit velocity on PG was 105, we would be or 104, we would be pretty impressed with that, frankly, you know, because um, I think one of the things you have to keep in mind with Nelson Rada is he is so young that he would not be eligible for this year's draft. He would probably be a slightly older high, high school senior next year. Um, so this is a guy that is effectively, you know, what Cam Collier was a year ago in JUCO. That's what this guy is. <laughs> Only he's playing in a full season level from day one, which is just crazy to think about, you know? Um, so I think you got to sort of take some of the numbers, the power numbers with a grain of salt. As we know, the last tool to really sort of fully develop and um, mature is strength and power. That's something that will come as guys get into their 20s. So interesting to follow along with Rada and see how he progresses over the next two or three years and if he does grow into power there are a lot of guys like this that are advanced uh hit tool guys early in their careers that don't necessarily grow into the, the power the good thing when i look at laura i look at Rada is the fact that they're not chasing they're not just sort of these swing happy contact uh hitters they're guys that can make contact they take their walks um and it's not overly passive so i think that's sort of a good thing to look at. So let's jump on to the next one. This is arguably the most exciting from a real life standpoint. Um, I think you could probably make a case that he's maybe the most exciting from a fantasy standpoint as well. And that is, that is Ethan Salas. Salas would be another guy who just barely would, would be uh, uh, eligible for the draft next year. So he's the same age as the high school class we're going to be talking about in a few months after the draft and we're starting to look to the 2024 draft. That's the same age as Ethan Salas and all these guys. So I think it's another remarkable thing to think about, but he does have a little bit more impact. Um, I'm not so sure that the plate skills are as good. He doesn't chase necessarily. He does take his walks. There is some swing and miss in the game. Um, but that being said, this guy was 16 years old as of 10, 11 days ago. <laughs> so, he is incredibly young. We know about how advanced he is as a catcher. Um, how excited are you for Solace? How would you rank him in comparison to the two uh, prior names that we've talked about in Rada and Laura? I think he's got to be number one uh, ahead of those guys for sure. I think it's just like the baseball IQ he's showing. So young. He's like managing pitching staffs who are you know, five years older than him or whatever, three years older than him and excelling and just like the defense is there. He's the captain of the field, basically, it feels like. And so, you know, he's going to have a, a major league career as a key individual on a, on a major league team. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, he has slowed down a bit. He, you know, the strikeouts are up to, you know, 26%, which is higher than Nelson Rada. And his WRC plus is 110, which is lower than Nelson Rada. But it's just the whole package. It's almost literally the whole package is there. And that's just going to be very exciting to watch his career blossom. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I somewhat agree. You know, I think that with Solace, there is more power. He's super advanced. He's exciting. It's still a catcher, you know, which worries me a little bit. Um, and I do think you could look at Laura and Rodden and say that they could maybe grow into a little bit more strength. Um, not that Solace won't, but maybe a little bit more. Uh, maybe some of that is a little bit more actualized, considering his background, who his father is as a trainer, and you know, his brother obviously is, uh, you know, Jose Salas and now the twins. Um, so there is some connection there, some understanding of what it takes to go through that process and get things to happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's not much that I can knock with Solace necessarily, and it sounds even stupid to say that. I guess I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here just because I do think there is, there's always risk with catching prospects uh, in fantasy in reality. Solace, this isn't even a question. Solace is the clear guy that we rank way above him. I think I've even gone on record and said that you could, you could maybe say that Solace is a top 20 prospect in the game for real life purposes because of the value of his defense, how smooth he is back there and the fact that he's not a non-zero as an offensive player and could be an above average, maybe even plus offensive player at the end. So I think if we're projecting out five years from now, Salas is the best baseball player. I could maybe see if Laura or Rada grow into a little bit more power having higher fantasy seasons, though it's not something that I would put my mortgage on, for example. <laughs> you bet the mortgage on Ethan Salas. You know what? Let's take a quick break here, Dylan. We'll be right back after a word from whatever this is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. All right, Dylan. We've already gone through three studs that skipped domestic complex leagues and went to full season levels. 
in Louis Laura of the Brewers, Nelson Rada of the Angels, Ethan Salas of the Padres. We have a few more names, Dylan. Let's talk a little Hostway to Paula. So to Paula was a name that we were very heavy on probably for the last year. I know we weren't the only ones that were excited about to Paula. Um, but I feel like I, I, I really tried to beat the drum here. You were beating the drum. I think you had one of us had him as a sleeper in the offseason. Both of us might have had him on our, <laughs> our, our, our all breakout team. He's a little bit older. He just turned 18 back in May. Um, originally from the United States, he did sign uh, as an international player of the Dominican Republic. I think I've mentioned this a million times. He is cousins with former NBA superstar Stefan Marbury and uh, former NBA first round pick Sebastian Telfair. I was trying to think of how to. Uh, <laughs> introduce that one. He's walking. He's striking out a little bit. It's been eight games. The numbers aren't good. He's hitting 138, 306, 172. Um, but it's been eight games at a full season level. I do not want to write this player off or panic at all after eight games. I will say he has had hits in consecutive contests heading into Monday. Yeah, he's definitely one of the, the more popular sleepers. Um, all that stuff you're talking about, the buzz surrounding, you know, the the, the bloodlines. Um, the, if you look at historical performance, his performance compared to historical uh, players, like the comps were kind of ridiculous. Um, so I guess there was unfair expectations put on him. So yeah, he's, he started off a bit slow. Um, but like you said, he's 18 and it's only been whatever, eight games. I'm not concerned at all. Um, I did move him in one of my leagues. Uh, and that's not a knock against him. It's just more of a, like cashing in these prospects while the, 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 the iron is hot. Um, and I, I have a feeling I may re regret that one just cause I, I, I really think he's going to turn into, he's in the Dodgers. Dodgers are going to Dodger. He's going to, uh, be a big name in the top 100 lists for, you know, in the next year or so for sure. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, for sure. I think, you know, he's exciting. I love the potential power that's there. He's going to grow into more of it. Um, it's just so early. It's tough for it's tough for anyone to to have any takeaways off of eight games. I mean, you have to think about the bigger picture here. So, hopefully, DePaula gets it going. I think from a power perspective, of all the players that we talked about thus far, Hostway DePaula has the highest power upside. He didn't earn the nickname Baby Jordan. For nothing. Um, <laughs> next one I wanted to mention here is Austin Charles. He did not technically skip a domestic complex league. Um, he was in the complex league last year for three games. The Arizona complex league is a Royals player. Um, he was in the complex league for two games this year. In those two games, he had a homer. He had a double. He had a triple. He had two singles. Uh, five runs scored, three RBIs, did have some punch outs. There is some swing and miss in his game. He is now at a full season level. He is at low A Columbia. So that being said, Austin Charles, he's a domestic player, uh, California high school kid, if I'm not mistaken, 20th round pick of the Royals last year. Um, kind of a good steal by them. Kudos to them. He is a big boy, by the way. 6'15", excuse me, 6'15", 6'4", 215, 220. Um, he's strong. You know, he's big. 
there's definitely projectable power there. I think it's starting to show in games. Just a matter of like how much swing and miss is there? How refined is the hit tool? Once we get some numbers on it, we'll know. Uh, he's another guy where it's been three games at the full season level, two games in the complex. This sample size is not big enough yet for us to draw any conclusions. I know you're less familiar with Austin Charles. Um, I don't know if you dug into him at all this week, where he shows up on RoboSky, if you have anything to sort of add there. Um, and you don't have to. <laughs> He's not on RoboSky yet, just because he hasn't had uh, enough plate appearances accrued. Um, no, I know he, he was a very popular target in, in all my Dynasty Leagues. Not even this week. It was the week before that he was starting to get buzz, I guess. People say, oh, here's a sleeper to watch, a 20th round pick who's now being, uh, uh, you know, a steal from the Royals. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have much to comment on. Without my robot uh, friend, I'm uh, I'm flying blind here. I'm useless without the robot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is absolutely hilarious. Um, all right, so that's kind of Austin Charles there. I know um, James had uh, Welsh on his podcast uh, last week, the RoboWire. Robo, Robo I'm getting all of my wires crossed here. The RoboWire Prospect Podcast with James Anderson. I suggest that you subscribe, like, listen, that whole thing. One of the classic shows here in the space, one of the longest-running prospect shows out there. He had Welsh on. I listened to that on my way back from a Cape League game last night, and uh, Welsh had the pleasure of actually seeing Austin Charles and was really impressed. So go and listen to that if you want some inside info because uh, he's had laid eyes on the man, which neither of us have. Though I have watched some video. I did tweet about him a little bit. He is very interesting. Next one I want to talk about here is someone that we were tipped off about by one of our co-workers, one of our colleagues, Josh Norris, one of my co-hosts, although I have about five co-hosts now at this point. Um, Dylan, what are your thoughts on Jefferson Rojas? Cubs prospect, uh, by the way, who got assigned to low A. Is it Merle Beach? Uh, yeah, I think so. I uh, Yeah, we, we got uh, tipped off. I almost said Josh Rojas uh, by Josh Norris it, there. That, yeah, uh, it makes you want to say it, doesn't it? Like, it does, it does. <laughs> um, that he's got, uh, you know, one to watch. And I, I took a look at him. And so in the DSL last year, the data was more that he's contact without much power. But this year, it's kind of like he's, I saw some video and he's like, he's got a nice, really vicious swing, to be honest. Um, mm. So it'd be interesting if he's maybe changing his approach. Um, he only has 17 plate appearances right now, but age 18 and in low A, um, you already have a, an advantage over your your uh, colleagues in RoboScout. Um, he already has a home run. He has a 178 WRC plus, 17 plate appearances, of course. Um, and yeah, I just I 10% wa- uh, ground ball rate, so I think he may be just like swinging uh, from the heel. So I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out. Um, yeah, it's it's someone I picked up actually in a bunch of my leagues right now, just from nice. what I saw in the video and just from that that tip from from Dang. Josh. I got a I got a good bid on him when I knew he was uh, going to be assigned to uh, to low A. By the way, he did play on the complex this year. I was incorrect. He had one game on the complex right. before he he moved to Myrtle Beach. So uh, allow me to correct myself and uh, retract my fire my former statement with a correction. Uh, so there are a few players on this list that uh, did not totally skip complex league for uh, all intents and purposes, though, pretty more or less skip complex league. I mean, let's be 
let's be honest here. Um, next guy I'm going to bring up here is the Cardinals, Jonathan Mejia, who went uh, to low A as well. He skipped the complex league though their low-A affiliate is right next to the complex. He played in the DSL last year. Um, he was injured for a bit, was actually assigned in late late May. On um, the 23rd was his first game. He just returned to action this weekend, uh, had a hit in four at-bats, and the hit was a double. Also had three strikeouts, but we won't talk about that. Um, but he was a guy that ranked pretty highly, signed for a ton of money um, out of the Dominican Republic, Switch hitter, kind of a bigger, more filled out body, not necessarily a great fielder, um, not super speedy, but uh, there's an advanced hit tool there. Uh, there's some power. He hit 267, 418, 479 with five home runs across 45 games in the Dominican Summer League last year. So any thoughts, Dylan, other than the fact that he has not hit a ball, uh, a fly ball yet uh, this year <laughs> across six games? Uh, no, I, I have an eye on him. Um, I know he was ranked quite highly uh, as one of the international prospects guys to watch um, by, I believe, Juicy Jensen. I think he was one of his favorites. Um, uh, we have uh, him hitting a 107 max. That may be a miss hit, uh, a miss uh, label. Um, but his his launch angles look pretty good. His contact skills look pretty good. Um I do think it's hit over power, um, but, uh, you know, if he can hit 107 and the DSL, then, uh, you know, maybe that there's a lot of power to be unlocked there. Um, so I'm keeping an eye on that. Once we start getting the numbers in, I'll be uh, highly, highly attuned to seeing how he's doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there we go. Those are all the players we planned on talking about today. If there's anything that we missed, you could certainly let us know. Um, kind of stuck to hitters here. I uh, want to bring up your article from this week. This was the first time that you dove into the complex league standouts. Uh, and that was kind of the focus of the opening this week. You know, and I thought you had a funny tweet there that it was irresponsible, but at the same time you were doing it anyway. So um, any sort of name you want to bring up from that numbers? I know that it's like five games. So <laughs> it just started last week. So there's only so much that we can go off of. But um, interested to hear, you know, any thoughts that you might have. Yeah, I mean it's like an average of sixteen plate appearances or something like that. So it's it's grossly irresponsible to talk about. But you know there are a couple of names I touch on um, at the complex levels. I talk about Arizona, I talk about Florida, and I talk about the DSL. Um, I think one of the names I'm not giving away the farm here by saying it is like Emmanuel Tejeda, the Yankees. In his twenty-two plate appearances, in the Florida Complex League, he already has two home runs and four stolen bases, and has not been caught. So he's uh, he's doing quite well. He he did quite well last year too, um, in the in the DSL. And his his stack cast looked pretty good. He doesn't chase. He uh, he has good contact. His his exit velocities are average. But you know if he has two home runs and twenty two plate appearances in Florida right now at age eighteen, it's uh, you know looks like he's he's got power. So that's one of the names I talk about. I talk about a few others. Um, the DSL, no, no one's really standing out yet, though I do like Abraham Nunez Jr. of the White Sox. I talk about him. Um, he has a home run, three stolen bases, and 17 plate appearances, age 17. He's got bloodlines. He's athletic. He's got a good body. 
um, plays center field right now. So he's someone I, I, I'm watching. But, you know, the DSL, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's uh, great performances are not necessarily uh, in, in the DSL is not necessarily indicative of great future performances like Malcolm Nunez and uh, Alexander Mujica, Alejandro Mujica had like incredible seasons of like, you know, 300 WRC plus and they were young and it all looked great and they haven't really um, met that potential that they were showing in the DSL once they came stateside. So keep the DSL with a grain of salt, but the complex league stateside domestic ball is uh, you know, a lot of, lot of jewels to be mined. And uh, it's always the best part. I, I touch on that in my article too. It's always like my favorite time of year when the complex league starts, because this is where you can get your hands dirty and find these guys before, you know, the rest of the industry kind of catches on. Absolutely. And I think if uh, you have a few spots that are in flux this time of year, know who your first drops are. It is a important component of uh, mining the waiver wire for some of those uncut gems. So totally agree there. But Dylan, we've got about 40 something minutes here. I don't think we have anything else we want to mention. We've covered a lot of stuff. We've covered a lot of interesting young players that you can go out and get in your dynasty leagues, or if you're in shower leagues, at least flag and maybe pay attention to. I would urge you to head over to Baseball America. We are updating the top 30 list this week. We just updated the AL East. Those were released on Friday. The NL East was released on Monday. Today, Tuesday, when you're listening to this, or maybe you're not, maybe you'll listen to it a few days after. But on Tuesday, we released the AL Central, followed by the NL Central, AL West, followed by the NL West. So all throughout the week, we are going to be pumping out these uh, first updates. We're going to update again in July. We typically update again in August. We sort of do the post-draft updates. We put the guys in. We also then do sort of the uh, post-trade deadline updates. So we'll have a few more updates throughout the season. Um, keep stay tuned and of course go and read the Robo Scott article that came out this week. That's my second plug for that one. And anything that uh is published over at Baseball America, we appreciate your subscription. It's how we uh we pay the bills, keep the lights on, feed the kids, and all that good stuff. And uh thanks for tuning in and appreciate it. Have a good one, guys. Cheers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.